Welcome to the Newsbusters podcast with your host, executive editor of Newsbusters, Tim Graham. Hello and welcome to what we might joke is time off at Newsbusters. Let's offer our condolences to the English people as Queen Elizabeth died at 96. We have two competing schools of thought here at Newsbusters. They're not exactly opposites. We have the diplomats, like Scott Whitlock, whose mother is from England, who will speak highly of the Queen. And then we have the rowdy colonist types like Jeff Dickens, and, 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 and me too, I would say, who tend to break out the snark when they start covering the royal family. We all start saying, we fought a war to be free of this monarchy, baloney. <laughs> now, there's, there's a lot of wisecracking in that. Uh, but Jeff and I were both here 25 years ago in 1997, roughly about this time, when we were absolutely buried for weeks in Princess Diana's fatal car crash and, and just everything else in the news vanished. Um, the hot story then for us was the Clinton fundraising scandal when he was colluding with the Chinese and the Indonesians or giving him bucks for his campaign. Oh, well, they were not interested in doing that story. So they were, you know, Princess Diana was like, oh, good. I mean, not oh, good, but, you know, they, they were very happy not to cover average politics at that particular juncture. So we were comparing, you know, how many hours they were doing on Princess Diana to Clinton scandals. I mean, I guess you can predict the way that was going to turn out. So, you know, we are prepared here for just an absolute flood of of British Royals news, and it makes you sort of say, is this America? Are we all living in England right now? I mean, look, we all know this story is great for ratings. I am not the average American. I do not find it fascinating, but a lot of people do, so they bury us in it. So the cynical joke here is now that the Royals are on top of the news, this is a great time to dump your embarrassing documents, whether you're the Centers for Disease Control or, or Biden, if you, if Hunter's laptop, Hunter had a second laptop, then, you know, here's the time. This is like a Friday night that goes on for a week. So let's hone in on our top story, the gooey publicity tour for Hillary and Chelsea Clinton. Yes, they have a new eight-part Apple TV Plus documentary series. It's called Gutsy. It's based on a 2019 book by these two titled The Book of Gutsy Women, Favorite Stories of Courage and Resilience. Now, a couple weeks ago when I was on vacation, my boy Ben and I were with Mrs. Graham at the Lincoln Museum in Springfield, Illinois, and we're in the gift shop, and I was annoyed. Like, here we are in the Lincoln Museum bookshop, and they have two Hillary and Chelsea books for sale. And I was like, why? Do we somehow need a modern feminist moment in here? Do we think that Democrats and liberals come to the Lincoln Museum and say, you know what this gift shop really needs? Books by Hillary and Chelsea Clinton. Anyway. This whole tour is one of the ways that Americans know that almost all of the levers of media power belong to the Democrats. This is the Clintons getting a big, you know, 
series with some money, some millions. They're getting just a fraction of the production love that the Obamas are getting with their multi-million dollar deal at Netflix. You know the way this happens. Obama narrates a documentary on the national parks for Netflix, and they give him an Emmy Award. Did you see that? It was like the Nobel Peace Prize of television. Oh, it doesn't matter if he actually accomplishes anything. He did a thing. The guy burps and he gets an award. He shows up, he reads the script, boom, Emmy. And then they were like, the, the gushers are like, he has an Emmy and a Grammy. Now he needs a Tony and an Oscar so he can have the EGOT. Oh, <laughs> you know, when they get carried away, the media will describe the Obamas as American royalty. I mean, they do. They do this for Democrats. They've done it for the Clintons and they've done it for the Kennedys. And we go, look, pal, we fought a war to be free of this royalty bilge. Don't bring it to our Democratic corrupt little families. Now, the previews for this gutsy show describe it as Hillary and Chelsea Clinton interview trailblazing women to suss out what makes a person gutsy. And then they interview eminences like, you know, Megan the Stallion, the rapper, the, the, what was it? Didn't she do the, the wet ass pussy? <laughs> Gutsy. Uh, and, and, you know, they're going to interview Amy Schumer and Wanda Sykes because let's face it, Hillary's boring as heck. So they need to bring in some comedians. Hillary has all the charisma of a kumquat. I know this because kumquats have no charisma. I've never eaten one. They haven't bowled me over. Now, those miscreants at Fox News dared to point out that Hillary and Chelsea's book omitted any mention of Margaret Thatcher. Apparently not a gutsy woman. Yes, when asked about it by a Brit, Hillary said Thatcher may have been gutsy, but she didn't make a positive difference for women. Unlike, you know, Amy Schumer. Amy Schumer, gutsier than Margaret Thatcher. Now, what this all means is, just call the book Gutsy Feminists, because you're basically going to suggest if you're a conservative woman, you're not really a woman. That, that It's the old thing. We know the way the left is about this. Anyway, in the blurbs for the Gutsy book, they define gutsy women as leaders with the courage to stand up to the status quo ask hard questions, and get the job done. Sounds like Margaret Thatcher to me. Now, anyone who knows me and has spent some time with me can guess where I'm going to go with this. Yes, Hillary Clinton is one of American history's greatest doormats. She arrived at the summit of American politics by tolerating her husband nailing any woman who would have him and several who would not. Yes, this gave us Clinton quotes like, kiss it, and you should put some ice on that. That was the status quo, and Hillary Dormant Clinton most definitely did not stand up to it. She did not ask the hard questions, and she did not get the job done. <laughs> she never really put the brakes on Bill, pawing his way through the interns. She was not gutsy, in a hashtag me too way. Hillary was an enabler. This man was her ticket to national power and she wasn't going to stop him. Now the liberals all insisted when Bill ran for president in 1992. 
oh, well, this isn't going to happen at the White House. Oh, no, 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 no. He's learned his lesson. He He's not in Little Rock anymore. People will watch. He has to worry about these things. He'll have to be more careful. Well, <laughs> he wasn't. <laughs> yes, he was pawing women in the White House who just lost their husbands. You remember that one? Yes. And we were told Hillary had Monica Lewinsky move to a different office at the Pentagon, which suggests she knew what was going on with Bill and that young woman in the beret. But then after the whole Monica mess, the wildly implausible story Hillary tried to tell everyone was that, gosh, she believed Bill the whole time. And wow, she gasped for breath when he admitted to her he had actually stumbled with Monica. Actually, he tripped over her for months. Yes, on the phone call with the congressman, Sonny Montgomery. Yeah, we were talking about Bosnia, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all those sorts of stories. The Star Report. This is why the Star Report was considered too salacious, because it described the way the president actually behaved in the Oval Office like it was a porn movie. So Hillary apparently needed the infamous spackled blue dress of Monica Lewinsky to be talked into the notion that, oops, he did it again. He played with her heart, got lost in the game because he's not that innocent. <laughs> I mean, come on. This was the kind of thing that you get angry with people because you're like, here's Hillary Clinton, dean of the gutsy women, saying, I gasped for breath. I had no idea he was cheating on me again. So this whole tour was going to have to be less embarrassing than this. Uh, it started on CBS News Sunday morning. Yes, the Clinton women were polished and publicized on a very regular forum for fawning interviews of Hillary. Many times as she was running for office uh, and as first lady, she came to Sunday morning to be celebrated by CBS reporter Martha Teichner, who just happened to be a pal of hers from their college days at Wellesley. Isn't that nice? This segment was introduced by Jane Pauley, who, when she was at NBC, also threw her journal panties at Hillary, got some softballs on Dateline. Sounded like Dating Line. Jade, get a room with those questions. Which convention speech hurt you the most? <laughs> well, the soft touch in this case was Nora O'Donnell, who is supposed to be the hard news queen at CBS. But in this case, she was more like a peppy Katie Couric type, as long as we're going to make a list of fawning Hillary interviewers. And then they went there. They actually talked about the gutsiness of staying with Bill. Listen. While pantsuits may be synonymous with Hillary Clinton, it is another decision she's well known for that she considers gutsy. The gutsiest thing I ever did privately was stay in my marriage. It was not easy, and it was something that only I could decide. And then in my public life, running for president, I mean, it was hard. It was really hard. And it was, you know, trying to be on that tightrope without 
a net and nobody in front of me because it hadn't been done before. I guess I was surprised that you said that staying in your marriage was gutsier than running for president. Well, it was, in terms of my private life, um, it was really hard. And as you know, everybody had an opinion about it. Uh, people who I'd never met had very strong opinions about it. Um, and it took a lot of, honestly, prayer and thoughtfulness and talking to people I totally trusted uh, to really think through uh, because it was all being done in public, Nora. So mm -hmm. it made it even more um, painful and difficult, but I have no regrets. Having no regrets for both Hillary and Chelsea Clinton is another expression of gutsiness, which they hope has universal appeal. There seems to be an undercurrent of a message throughout this whole series that you're trying to show women, tell women to be gutsy, to stand up for yourself. Exactly. But Hillary didn't stand up for herself. And when the Clintons did this whole scene where they walked to the helicopter on the White House lawn after everyone knew that they knew they walked hand in hand with Bill for the cameras. Hillary on one side, Chelsea on the other, like this was somehow a dramatic moment instead of a staged pile of gunk. I think we can all guess the drama in this family, the soap opera, happened long before we knew for a fact that they knew. Remember that Hillary did a big interview with Matt Lauer on the Today Show at the beginning of 1998, where she infamously threw out her vast right-wing conspiracy card. Mm-mm-mm. Yes, she said her husband denied the accusations, and we'll see how this plays out. Those words always stuck with me. We'll see how this plays out. Does that sound like someone who knows the guy is guilty? Matt Lauer said, hey, if Bill's telling the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth, this is the worst and most damaging smear of the 20th century. I mean... Looking back on this, what a pair, these two, both posing as if they aren't up to their little chins in sexual harassment. <laughs> Matt Lauer saying, how dare Bill be smeared as a sexual harasser? I can feel his pain. Yes, you can, Mr. Button under his desk. Good Lord. You know, the nice thing about this is, you know, Bill Clinton just went on. Matt Lauer, who's seen Matt Lauer? Where in the world is Matt Lauer? I guess Matt got his comeuppance. The Clintons never exactly did. But, you know, the funniest thing was Lauer wasn't even the worst one in, in that publicity tour with Hillary. It was Lisa McCree, who was briefly a co-host on ABC's Good Morning America. She was an absolute joke of a journalist just shining Hillary's shoes. Anyway, let's go from the Nora O'Donnell suck-up interview to the Jimmy Fallon suck-up interview uh, overnight on Tuesday. Now, I will have to say, my wife loves this show. She tapes it on the DVR. She does fast-forward through guests who bore her. She, she likes, she wants to see the monologue and whatever games they play on the show, because they are usually playing games uh, of some sort. Um, and but a lot of times with the guests, if she's not kind of fascinated by them. So I can guarantee you, I did see this interview the next day with Hillary and Chelsea. Guarantee you, Mrs. Graham would have hit the fast forward. We don't need to see any of this. But look, uh, it's Jimmy Fallon. 
So he he's like a warm puppy who jumps into your lap. That that's his style. I mean, he fawns over every guest he brings on. You know, no matter who they are, the actress is the best actress he's ever seen. The singer is the best singer he's ever seen. Best album they've ever done. Everything was the best thing you've ever done. So no one's expecting him to be a hard news guy like they might expect Nora O'Donnell. Nobody's expect. He's not a journalist. He's not playing a journalist on TV. And all of their jokes were on Trump like this. How easy is it to walk out with boxes of classified documents? <laughs> Plural that kills me, yeah. right? You're like not just one box or yes. one document, d d boxes and thousands <laughs> of documents. Does he know what he's doing? Does he? What, what would you do with that? I mean, is it for? Is it for? Is it for the presidential library? <laughs> well, usually when it comes to presidential libraries, yeah, everything is in the archives. We have a national archive yeah. and record administration where everything goes and then it gets transferred to um, a presidential library. At least yeah. that's the way it used to happen. This segment was just another cackle break about Trump. Trump, isn't he ludicrous? Can't we all laugh at Trump? What a goof. You know, we're not going to have any upset about the FBI breaking a history of precedents, uh, raiding the home of a former president, because they all assume, well, that's, that's completely justified. Uh, you know, you'll remember Jimmy Fallon was severely hounded by the liberals for bringing his whole puppy pal style to Trump when he interviewed Trump. And he even mussed up Trump's hair just to see if it was real, because most people think it's a piece. It's a toupee. But, you know, the, to the left, this was apparently like a human rights abuse. It was like throwing small children down wells. I mean, I... Liberals think people performing late-term abortions are heroes, but playing nice with Trump, I mean, let's face it, it's like tap dancing with Hitler. That's the way these people are. So then Jimmy actually got serious with Hillary and asked her about what the next steps are for Ukraine. Suddenly it was meet the press. This is a serious question. This is a so sober public affairs inquiry. Uh, but Fallon was not going to re remind anyone, because he's a comedian, that his Secretary of State, Hillary Clinton, fawned over the Russians, including with a badly translated reset button. Team Obama wooed the Russians. Hillary was a doormat once again. She was Putin's doormat. But then Trump came along, and they all pretended they were the roughest people ever on the Russians, and Trump was Putin's poodle. Well, that illusion remains, at least if you're watching late-night comedy TV. Now, before the interview in Jimmy's monologue, they had Hillary fake-breaking a glass, like they would put in a, a glass-breaking sound effect, and they'd cut to Hillary in a dressing room with a broken glass. Yes, this was over the latest Trump news from Mar-a-Lago. This was as funny as Hillary usually is, which is to say, not funny. This was really destined to be the usual exercise in liberal pain sharing when they can't laugh. I mean, liberals are upset that they haven't put Trump behind bars yet. And now he may escape again. And they can't imagine this is the way people felt about the Clintons, who were never indicted for anything. Their whitewater business partners, the McDougals, went to jail in Arkansas 
and the media pretended this had nothing to do with the Clintons. They were their business partners. Jim and Susan McDougal and their failing savings and loan, and the Clintons ran in 92 about the terrible status of the country's savings and loans that were being bailed out. Well, they were part of the problem, not part of the solution. But see, now I'm giving you the whole, yes, what the conservatives complained about in 1992, and that might get a little dull. So Bill was recommended for impeachment in 1998, and that impeachment happened, much to the media's chagrin. But it didn't really stick to Bill, and that's now the way liberals feel, that Trump's been impeached twice, and they're all upset because it doesn't seem to mean much. Because if you look at, they try to do polls now of Trump and Biden side by side. It's close, and they hate that. Then came the view, yes, they had to show up on the view because there is no gutsier place to show up than showing up with Joy Behar, who has Hillary at hello or, or, or vice versa. Let's just make this point. The central point, if you take nothing else away from today's show, there's a comedy here of them trying to exemplify gutsy when they only accept interviews that are fawning. Hillary's not going to do an interview with anybody who isn't fawning, and she probably has a whole set of conditions where you can ask me this, but you can't ask me this. I'm sure this has been the case for years. It was certainly rumored in the first lady years. She would go on Larry King, and there'd be a list of things, Larry, don't ask me about this. And I'm sure with these people, the first thing was, don't ask me about whoever Bill is touching. Okay, so she's not gutsy. Gutsy would be, oh, let's book Tucker Carlson. <laughs> let's do Laura Ingram. How would that go? Hillary and Chelsea. I mean, Laura Ingram wrote a book called The Hillary Trap. She's an expert on Hillary, which is exactly what Hillary doesn't want. So, of course, she went on The View. And they, they, they asked her for her take on Mar-a-Lago. And what was interesting here is it wasn't as funny as it was on Jimmy Fallon. She tried to pretend, oh, this was a very sober, serious thing and not something to cackle about. Um, maybe because she was on set with Joy Behar, who, you know, does want Trump in Guantanamo. So she felt she had to, like, bring it down a little bit. And she agreed, this shouldn't be partisan. Oh, sure. It was partisan the minute the FBI raided, okay? It's Biden's Department of Justice. Don't tell me he was not informed by the FBI that they were going to do that. That's like saying, well, Biden didn't know, just like Hillary didn't actually know of what was going on with Monica Lewinsky. Uh-huh. So she said, well, gee, I don't want to prejudge this. I was prejudged. We should let the facts and the evidence come out. Okay, that's a reasonable position to take. But, you know, again, they were treating her, once again, like with Jimmy Fallon, Hillary Clinton, the expert on the security of classified documents. And we won't actually describe for people why that's ludicrous. Because she took a private server. She put our, her stuff on a private server as Secretary of State, an email server. So she was conducting official business as Secretary of State on a private email server and had classified documents washing in and out. Nobody remembers that now unless you're a liberal on Twitter and you just hashtag, but her emails. You're always complaining because somehow that ruined her for the presidency. It wasn't that she was an unpopular witch. 
it was because James Comey ruined her. James Comey ruined her chances by investigating her emails. And then, of course, in October, coming out and saying, oh, I'm going to look at Anthony Weiner's laptop now. Well, they never forgive that. You know, Hillary Clinton will say Jim Comey wouldn't shut up. See, if Donald Trump knocks Jim Comey, democracy is dying in darkness. If Hillary Clinton attacks Jim Comey, they all go, you go, girl. Now, the uh, Alyssa Farrah Griffin is there. She's supposed to be the Meghan McCain replacement, but she obviously is more the Nicole Wallace replacement. Uh, yes, if this gig doesn't work out, maybe there's a show on at the afternoon on MSNBC. Um, she asked Hillary what I consider to be a Democrat question. It's a little bit of a, a tougher question, and that is, you know, Biden uh, used harsh language. Um, he suggested it was the, the Republicans are semi-fascist. You know, is, it would, might that be counterproductive? You know, if you need Republicans to vote for Democrats in the midterms, you know, we, we uh, want some Republicans to vote Democrat like all the fake Republicans on MSNBC and CNN. Well, no, Hillary was going to stick with Biden because that's just the smart thing that Democrats do. She was going to say the speech was was very important, very important, very necessary. It had to be called out. And, of course, she was also down with using the word fascism to describe Republicans. You know, look, fascism is a very big word. I know that. But so is socialism, and the Republicans call every Democrat who wants people to have health care a socialist. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think we do need to be careful with our language, but I think the problem is if you go through the hallmarks of authoritarian regimes, Mm -hmm. uh, you see too many characteristics, unfortunately, uh, on our uh, Republican side. And my most fervent hope is that Republicans themselves will begin to reject all of that verbally, vocally in their voting and, you know, kind of reconstitute the Republican Party to where it used to be and not the, you know, party of Trump, which I think is very dangerous uh, to the country. Party of Eisenhower. You know, I love this part where Joy Behar suggests the Republicans should be the party of Eisenhower. Oh, yes, the left would love a grand old party that's about as conservative as Eisenhower or Colin Powell. Remember this? They had this whole boomlet about Colin Powell running for president because he was basically the black Eisenhower. Um, He was just sort of a cipher. He wasn't really partisan. He was vaguely liberal slash centrist. And that's exactly what they wanted. They want a Republican president. I believe Howard Feynman of Newsweek said, they want a Republican they can work with, right? This is the same way that Joe Biden, when they sort of attacked him about mega Republicans or whatever, said, no, 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 there's... There's the evil Republicans that like Trump, and there's the good Republicans you can work with. If they're going to pass what I want to pass, if they're going to vote for my Supreme Court justices, well, then I can work with them. So again, the whole definition of a good Republican is somebody who's like votes with the Democrats 70% of the time. You know, When I was coming up on Capitol Hill in 1988, that was Connie Morella of Maryland. She was supposedly a Republican. She voted with the Democrats like 70% of the time. That is called a get-along, go-along Republican. This is certainly, I think, the way that conservatives back in the 50s thought of General Eisenhower. They wanted to acknowledge he was a war hero, but as a president, he was a good golfer. I mean, that you know, uh, I have a, a, a worn-out paperback 
of, of quotations from William F. Buckley. I think it's called something cute like thoughts from Chairman Bill. I mean, they were sort of making a Mao joke of some sort. And what's what's interesting in there when they're looking at his quotes is, yes, you can see how upset Buckley is with Eisenhower because Eisenhower is not a great you know, political thinker. He's not a scholar of political science. And I think this, this frustrated Buckley. Um, but, you know, this is how the, the Republicans got elected, and you can understand the whole thought process. It's the same kind of thing in, a, in an absolutely different way of Donald Trump's a businessman. They're going to let people will vote for him because he's a businessman, because he's an outsider, and somehow he seems outside politics. So I'm sure that's what they thought about Eisenhower. And obviously, <laughs> they're very different. In that, yes, Eisenhower was that get-along, go-along Republican, and Donald Trump was the kind of guy who just waged war and especially, you know, was very hostile to the fake news media. They hated that. So, uh, you know, they're going to look at this and say, they, they don't want to look at something like this and say, Hillary and Chelsea Clinton have a new TV series, and everybody they go and get interviews with fawns over them like they're fantastic. I mean, Mother Teresa may be a saint to Catholics, but the Clintons are saints in the media's eyes. Now, maybe not quite as high on sainthood as Barack and Michelle Obama, you know. We had this whole episode on The View where, again, fake Republican, uh, Alyssa Farah Griffin, was suggesting Michelle Obama, she'd win the presidency in a walk. (laughs) And, you know, yes, other ladies on The View were like, no, sometimes Republicans actually vote based on policy positions and whether somebody's likable. They always get upset because, yes, Hillary was not likable. She wasn't likable then. She's not likable now. And yet these people will still walk around today going, oh, Hillary and Chelsea, aren't they cute? They're palling around on Apple TV+. Plus. They're still trying to make fetch happen, as Curtis likes to say. It's not happening, but they'll still try. But anyway, yes, this is the kind of thing that establishes why when Trump says fake news, it means these people are a publicity machine for the people they like or love. The Obamas will get fawning coverage from the get-go. The Clintons will get fawning coverage from the get-go. It is the automatic standard. We're all shocked when they actually get a question they don't like. And that's the point. And just by the same way, Donald Trump can't expect to get a nice question anywhere except on those terrible right-wing propaganda channels. And they never see themselves as those terrible liberal Democrat propaganda channels. Even though if you really, again, look at the toughness of their questions, how Hillary Clinton and Chelsea Clinton are so severely you know, asked tough questions, it, it, it never happens. Nobody asks them a tough question. It's just the way the world operates. Well, that's why you come to Newsbusters, right? You come to say, what sort of fawning was there today? What sort of attack on vicious Republicans, those mega Republicans, are we going to see today? You check out Newsbusters. Come see us once, twice, 24 times a day. Thanks for listening.